Father, thank you that you are a saving God. Um, thank you for the wonderful testimonies we heard of your uh, transforming love in the lives of Dale and Salma and Lilla and Yuki. Uh, and thank you for your word that reveals uh, your great um, plan of salvation for the world. And we pray that you would soften our hearts uh, now as we come to hear your word uh, read and preached. Please uh, transform us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body, as he is determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, fish have another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor and the moon another and the stars another and the star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, 
the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man, man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just, we, just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Thank you. A long reading. There's lots in there that we won't get to all the details today, uh, but we are going to think about this passage. Uh, but as we start, friends, I wanted to ask the question, what gets you up in the morning? Um, I kind of woke up rather startled this morning out of a very real dream that I totally forgot about the baptisms after church today. Uh, so I just went home and everyone was waiting at the lakes. Um, so can someone please make sure I get there? Um, it's a true story, but don't overanalyze it. I'm sure it reveals all sorts of pathologies or something. Anyway, uh, what gets you up in the morning? Maybe it's the dog, maybe the kids, maybe work or school. Uh, I recently saw a new book advertised with the title, On Getting Out of Bed, um, The Burden and Gift of Living. I haven't read it yet. I intend to, but it was, I just thought it was a pretty great title. It's by a Christian author. Uh, it's about mental health and the struggle many of us do just to have just to do ordinary things, like getting out of bed. Uh, the darkness of depression and anxiety can make you feel a paralyzing sense of hopelessness, of hopelessness. Well, this passage we're looking at today, it's not a passage about literally getting out of bed, uh, but it is a passage about rising from another kind of sleep. Uh, it's about waking up, about coming to your senses, about setting your mind on a certain future when you will rise eternally. And this future awakening is so huge, it's more rich and joyful and alive than anything any of us have ever experienced, that it might even help you get out of bed today. Uh, the whole chapter we're looking at over these three weeks, uh, last week, today, and then next week, uh, is about the resurrection of Jesus, what it means for me and you, what it means for the whole world. We saw last week, Paul is talking about the gospel uh, in verse, uh, verse 3 to 5 of the chapter. Um, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again according to the scriptures, and he appeared to many. Remember that from last week. That's, that's Paul's gospel, his great announcement of this incredible achievement, this victory that has been won that brings joy to those who receive it and life and peace. It's the most important news you'll ever hear, Paul says. It's of first importance. And just notice something. This gospel is anchored in the past. This gospel is anchored in the past. It's news about something that has been done about a real historic event. If you're a Christian, your faith, your trust in Jesus is grounded in that reality. The facts of Jesus' death and his resurrection. If you're not yet a Christian, that is the place to start with the person of Jesus. And particularly coming out of this chapter with his resurrection from the dead. Everything stands or falls on that. But there's more. Um, I feel like, remember Tim Shaw from Demtel? But wait, there's more. Um, but wait, there's more. Sorry. That's, uh, what Paul does now is he shifts from looking back 
to Jesus, to looking ahead. What, this past, what does this past reality mean for the future? For everyone who's united to Jesus, this gospel brings an incredible, glorious hope. But not only that, this is also a hope for the whole world, for the whole cosmos, the whole creation. That's what we're going to think about today. Uh, we touched on this last week, um, but Paul uses this image in verse 20 of Jesus as the first fruits, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Uh, if you've got fruit trees, you'll know that kind of feeling of looking out for the first fruit to show itself. Um, it's like a guarantee and a, a taste of the crop that is to come. That's the image that Paul's using. That's what Jesus' resurrection is like for you and me, if our trust is in him. And he makes this really stunning contrast in verse 21 and 22 to show us just how huge this is. He takes us right back to the beginning. Uh, if someone asks you the question, who are the most influential people who have ever lived? You might have a whole set of answers. Like, there's a whole lot of people, a whole list but what we're seeing here is at the end of the day, there's really only two people who have really fundamentally shaped everything for everyone in the history of the world. Uh, and the first of them is Adam. Adam is seen in the Bible as like the representative head of all humanity. We're all in him. We're all united to him. We're fallen with him. We share his, de his destiny of the sentence of death. But the stunning claim of the gospel is that Jesus is the second and greater Adam, the head of a new humanity, the beginning of a new way of being human. And the whole world is split into those who are in Adam and those who have become, by God's grace, to be those who are in Christ. Uh, and for those in Christ, it means in verse 23, but each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Friends, this is the reality that we're remembering today, particularly in baptism, a dying and rising with Christ, being united with him through faith, so that all his righteousness and his life becomes yours. And all of your sin and your death becomes his. Baptism is a beautiful picture of this sure hope. Now, I, um, because it's school holidays, I like to get the kids involved a little bit. So I do need some help. Um, so if anyone wants to help, I can have as many kids who want to come up, come on, come on up. So I do need a bit of help today. So kids, if you want to help me out, come on up onto the stage and just stand over here. That's it. Good on you. Let's give them a clap as they come out. Good on. Well done. Okay. The more the merrier, guys. So just come on up, okay? Okay. Ah, here we go. Ah, more and more appearing. Good on you. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I've used this illustration before, but it's, it's such a good one. We're going to do it again. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is um, uh, uh, we're going to represent what's going on with Adam and Jesus. Okay. So um, I need someone to be Adam for us. <laughs> Ethan, all right, come on up, buddy. Who wants to do that? Now, can you put that around your waist? That's it. 
we've got to flip it around. It's twisted at the back. Yes, good on you. Okay, excellent. All right. So, now, if you're in Adam, what happens to him happens to you. Where he goes, you go. What happens? So, everyone hold on to this rope, okay? Everyone grab a hold of the rope. All right. Let's, we'll get it over there. Okay. So, if you're in Adam, this is what happens, okay? Everyone in Adam um, follows him. What happens to him happens to you. Now, let's pretend this is death. I want you to try and go through death to the other side, Adam. Right through the middle here. Can you do it? What's going to happen? He's not going to... Okay, okay. He's not going to, he's not going to be able to do it, is he? What about, though, the second Adam? Uh, this is, a, I think, a great in- picture of what's going to happen to everyone who trusts in Jesus. Come back a bit. Come back. All right. For Jesus, death is like this. Okay. And Jesus, when he bursts through death, he pulls everyone who's in him after him. Okay, so we're going to have a picture of the resurrection and everything it means for all who are in Christ. This is what happens to those who are in Adam. This is what happens to those who are in Christ. So go on, Ethan. Burst through. Now, come on. (laughs) Yes. Yay. That's it. Yay. Okay. And then keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Everyone who's connected to Jesus by faith, who has his trust in him, is going to come through the other side to new life, just like Jesus did. That's it. Hey. Can you, I should have got a, a larger hula hoop. <laughs> well done, guys. Hey, can we give the kids a clap as they head, back, head on back down to the, their seats? Thanks, guys. Good job. Okay. Very good. So, Jesus has burst through death and he pulls all who are in him through with him. All right, let's get back to the the passage. Skip down to verse 35. Have a look down at verse 35. Um, Because Paul, he returns there to this question of what is this hope for us, for people? Uh, And he anticipates this question about this future life. Someone will ask, well, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come it's the, given the way Paul responds to that, it's probably a scoffing question. Like bodily resurrection was just as impossible then as now. And it's probably, they're, say, they're saying, Paul, this is all ridiculous. All your learning has driven you mad. You say everyone's going to be raised. How? Impossible. Um, and in the next little section from verse 36 on, Paul responds, and the answer is all about seeds and trees. Now, I need a couple of others uh, who want to come up and help. Uh, anyone who didn't come up there who want, wants to come up and help this time? Uh, two, two others? Anyone game? Do I have to pick people now? Yeah, come on, Liv. On you. Uh, yep, yeah, come on, Megan. Good on you. Okay. Now, come up here. Have a look at what's in this jar. Come on, if you stand over, stand over here. What do you reckon this is? Smell it. You can smell it. Any ideas? Okay. For those who can't see, it's a container with a whole bunch. It looks like kind of dust, doesn't it? Just going to get some of these out so you might have a closer look at it. Actually, I'll pour some into your hand. Put your hand out. Okay, there we go. Say that again. 
It looks like seeds. It is seeds. Tiny, tiny, tiny little seeds. Um, yeah, you can put them back in here if you want. Tiny seeds. Now, I want you guys to imagine, everyone here, but you got, imagine that you have never seen a tree before in your life. Okay? Imagine you, you don't know what a tree is, you've never seen one, you're an alien from another planet. Uh, imagine if all you had was that tiny little seed. Could you imagine what the tree that came from that was, would, would look like? What do you reckon? A big tree. Yeah, well, I did. Could you imagine now? Can you guys go over and get that and bring it over here? That t these uh, you guys can't see this, but this is they're just the tiniest, tiniest little seeds in here. One of those seeds, pop it down there. One of those seeds is going to turn into this, and not just this. But if you go to the next slide. Uh, apparently, for, for those plant lovers out there, Steve tells me this is a local eucalypt species known as messmate stringybark. Did I get that right? Well, I, didn't, I, I forgot the... Um, I didn't write down the proper name. You can ask Steve later. Um, but look how amazing that is, how huge that is, all from that tiny little seed. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a clap as they go back down. Awesome. Um, if you hadn't, imagine you'd never seen a tree before and someone told you that, that bury, if you buried that little seed in the ground, it would come up as this huge, winding, thick thing with thousands of green bits and colourful things and hundreds of animals would make their home in it. You'd think they were crazy, right? I mean, it'd be impossible to anticipate all of that from that seed. And what Paul's doing here is he's saying, trying to anticipate what your resurrection body is going to be like is a little bit like that difference between that tiny seed and that. Um, there is continuity. It's the same thing. All that, all that tree is contained in that tiny little seed, right? But it's also incredible transformation that you could never predict. Uh, you get glimpses of it, especially in the resurrected body of Jesus, but nothing more than glimpses. And through these verses that Paul um, goes on to write and we had read out, you might have picked up there's all these contrasts between earthly and heavenly or perishable and imperishable in verse 42 or verse 43, dishonor versus glory or weakness and power. Verse 44, a natural body versus a spiritual body. It's the same kind of thing. He's, he's making this contrast between you now, you seed that will be planted in the ground and this tree that will rise in the resurrection. Um, that last one in verse 4, it is not saying physical versus not physical. He's talking about our natural bodies in a world broken by sin versus our future bodies in the new creation that will be given an undying new life by the Spirit of God, our spiritual bodies. That is is the glorious, certain future hope of every person in Christ. And friends, you can know it for sure because Jesus has gone ahead, right? He has gone ahead and he has already burst through the grave. And he promises to drag everyone who trusts him through there with him. He is the first fruits guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, there's a lot to get through today. I'm conscious of that, but... There is more. 
what is to come, it's even bigger than that. It's not just hope for you and me, not just hope for people, it's hope for the whole world. It's a cosmic hope. Uh, verse 24, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Friends, this gospel is not just about you and me. It's about everything. It's about the whole creation. God the Father is bringing everything under the good and holy and loving rule of his son, Jesus. And did you notice there, every opposition to Jesus will be brought to nothing. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to believe that, isn't it? Hard to kind of receive that. Uh, Jesus and his, his kingdom here and now can look so unimpressive in our world, and those opposed to him can look so strong. But Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And just like that guarantees your future resurrection, it guarantees the future of the whole world. Everything will be brought under his feet. Every power opposed to him, even death itself. Uh, And in this, there's this beautiful act of order and unity within the Trinity Um, And in verse 28, uh, Jesus then hands this creation back to his Father, making himself subject to the Father, so in in verse 28, so that God may be all in all. So this is a glorious hope. It's a cosmic hope. But lastly, it's also a transforming hope. It is a transforming hope. Uh, That's the big thing Paul's saying in those middle verses. Uh, If you kind of see, I've been skipping around a little bit, but those middle verses, that's the big thing Paul talks about. Uh, He says a strange thing about uh, people being baptised for the dead in verse 29. Uh, We're not really clear what's going on there, but it's possible that there's this practice developed where people would hold baptisms for believers who had died before they could get baptised, maybe. Um, But it's important to say Paul is not recommending this practice. If anything, it's the sort of thing that could easily become a superstitious kind of undermining of the gospel. So this isn't saying that Christians should do this. Paul's point is really a simple one. Some in the church were saying that there was no bodily resurrection from the dead. But Paul says, you're being inconsistent. Uh, Even your somewhat questionable practice of being baptised for the dead, it only makes sense if the dead are raised. And not only that, Paul talks about his own life. He points to his own life, which would make no sense at all without the resurrection. Verse 30, and as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's life in Adam, right? Uh, Some of the Corinthians were living like that, thinking like that, living as if there was no resurrection, as if this life was all there is, living life selfishly for kind of maximum pleasure now, eating and drinking, parting it up, because tomorrow we die. And Paul wants them in verse 34 to come back to their senses, to stop sinning, to wake up, The resurrection hope has to shape life now. 
you will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and you will either rely on your own righteousness and be condemned or you will be clothed in Christ's righteousness, washed clean by his blood and welcomed into his eternal kingdom. Knowing that that is your future means you'll live for him who died for you. You will repent of your sin because it grieves his heart. This future hope, friends, is great fuel for holiness today. Uh, to come to your, our senses, to wake up to the terrible effects of sin, of Adam's way that leads to death, to stop sinning, and to come back to the life that Christ alone gives by his wonderful grace. But not only that, we can say no to sin actually because we're saying yes to something far better. We're saying yes to something far of eternal value, a bright and joyful purpose for life today. That's what Paul's modelled in his own life, and that's actually what uh, Shannon will help us reflect on next week as we look at the last little bit of this chapter, as this chapter wraps up. But today, friends, this is, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? This is the glorious, the cosmic, the transforming hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope is, it's, a, it's different from optimism, isn't it? It's different. This is not just wishful thinking. It's not just kind of having a positive mindset and hoping things will work out. This isn't ignoring the terrible reality of suffering and pain that is the normal experience of every person in this fallen world. What God's word gives us here is much richer than kind of wishful optimism that just papers over the suffering of the world. This, what he's giving us is gospel realism. It's not optimism, this is actually realism. I think what's going on is something like this. I've tried to capture it in a bit of a picture. This, so this is you. This is your life, um, summed up on a screen. Uh, one of the lies that we believe about ourselves is that that is all that matters. That it's all that matters. Uh, and that means what will happen to you is you'll be anchored in your past, your yesterday. You'll have your eyes just on your own future, your tomorrow. And that's a problem because your yesterday is so full of guilt and shame and hurts of things you've done or have been done to you that you can't undo. Uh, on the other hand, maybe your yesterday, uh, maybe that's not you, maybe you're more, your yesterday is more filled with sort of pride in your own achievements and that puff you up and make you a judgmental sort of person. Uh, living gripped by your yesterday, your your past doesn't give you life but neither does living with your vision only on kind of your tomorrow if all you've got is your tomorrow that is so full of uncertainty it's no wonder that we so easily drift into fear and hopelessness or on the other hand into selfish ambition just living for yourself to make the most out of the few brief years you've got here giving your time and energy to accumulating possessions or building your own little kingdom here and now. This great announcement of the gospel offers you a completely different way, 
What a wonderful hope that we have. It offers you another, instead of seeing, it's another way to see yourself. Instead of being defined by your yesterday, this gospel anchors you in the fixed reality of Jesus' death and resurrection. That is now the defining moment of your past. What you keep coming back to to see who you really are. And it humbles your pride, doesn't it? Because Jesus, your sin was so great, he went to the cross for you. But it also lifts you up out of guilt and shame, bringing forgiveness and freedom through, through the gospel. But wait, there's more. The resurrection means that your tomorrow doesn't need to consume... Your tomorrow either. That doesn't need to be the thing that dominates your life. God has given you this gracious gift, the sure and certain cosmic vision of his coming future uh, that can, by his grace, by his spirit, give you joy and hope and peace. It doesn't take a naive optimist to believe this. The most hardened pessimist can receive it with a thankful heart because it's true. It really is true. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The call for here is for all of us to wake up, to come back to our senses, to receive by faith this truth. That at the heart of the universe is the God of all grace who has done and will do all of this. This real hope is stronger and bigger and brighter than any force or darkness in this world. Because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Because the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. Because God will be all in all. Because if you're in Christ, your body, this seed, will be sown perishable, but raised imperishable, sown in dishonour, but raised in glory, sown weak, but raised powerful, sown natural, raised to an undying life by the spirit of the living God. Let's receive that today. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, you have conquered death through your Son, Jesus Christ, and opened for us the way to eternal life. By your grace, enable us to set our minds on things above, so that by your continual help, our whole life may be transformed through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit in everlasting glory, one God, now and forevermore, world without end. Amen.